Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Speaking of traveling the world, we're now in northern Philippines in Laok, and it's a beautiful area, a lot of different beaches, a lot of different culture and history, super friendly people and delicious food. And we're documented in our entire journey on daddyblogger.com through pictures, videos, blog posts, and uh, social media. And as we're traveling, we're continuing doing a podcast series. We're already at 470 plus interviews. We're approaching the magic 500th episode. We'll have a big celebration and uh, bring back a lot of different guests to celebrate 500 episodes of podcasting. And on today's episode, I have an um, American who's actually living in Canada, married to a Canadian, world-class speaker. Uh, he's a digital nomad, entrepreneur, and he loves training people on how to be speakers as well. And uh, I'm super excited about that because that's a great way to be a nomad by um, you know, making money, speaking around the world. And we haven't covered that too much on our show. Well, we're typically covering more digital type of jobs, you know, like things like website design, graphic design, coaching, online courses, uh, those kind of careers. Uh, but uh, of course, uh, speaking will allow you to see this amazing world as well. Uh, so our guest today, his name is Majid. Mukharaban, and he always says, Majid like magic. So welcome, Majid like magic, to the show. How are you doing over there in Ottawa, Canada today? Hey, it's a beautiful day here in Ottawa, Canada. Happy to be here, Ricky. Thanks for having me on your show. I'm honored to have you, and I didn't mention he's a fellow dad, dad of two kids, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and I absolutely love connecting with fellow dads on my show as well. So uh, speaking of uh, fatherhood and family and uh, business and travels, why don't you give us a quick summary of all those things, family, business, and travels? Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, I grew up, I never traveled with my family, even though my father is from Iran, you know, he's an immigrant to the United States. My mother is from Chicago, hadn't left the country her whole life until her late 40s. Um, but I got really excited about traveling when I did an international exchange with Rotary Club. I was 16 years old. I spent the summer in Argentina. And then, oh, man, I wanted to travel everywhere and anywhere I could. And, you know, you need time and you need money. And sometimes when you have time, you don't have money. When you have money, you don't have time. So I, I approached that problem by starting a business and growing it and selling it and then traveling until I was broke starting at the age of 18. And then I came back home and I said, man, I'm going to do that again. I started a second business. I sold it and I traveled until I was broke. And these are, you know, the windfalls of 15, $20,000 for an 18 year old. For me at the time, that was like, you know, so much money. And so I ended up starting five different businesses and selling them and traveling and go, went to 24 countries before I was 21. So really fell in love with um, travel and entrepreneurship, but I still had the model of, you know, I had a bunch of money and then traveled until I was broke, but I didn't have this nomad making money thing figured out yet. So I said, you know, how can I like actually make money and travel? Uh, which that question evolved to how do I go to cool and come back with more money? Mm -hmm. And I figured, you know, if I do what I'm good at and I do what I love and that would be even better. And so what I really felt that I was really good at and really enjoyed was performance and speaking and acting, but I didn't really know, can I do this as an actor? Can I, can I be a traveling actor or a traveling speaker? Like, what is that? And then someone said, well, you could be a motivational speaker. And I thought, well, how does that work? You know, like, is there, how do you do that? 
And so the idea is if you can land a speaking engagement, they pay your flights, they pay your hotel, and they give you money, and you come back with more money than you left with. So 10 years ago or so, at the age of 23, I entered into the professional speaking business with the intention of traveling the world and having other people pay for it. So fast forward to four and a half years ago, I was really at the height of my speaking career uh, from the perspective of getting lots of gigs and traveling lots, and we had our first baby. So she's four and a half now. So four and a half years ago, we had our first baby. And I realized very, very quickly that for me to be the dad that I wanted to be, I would have to stop uh, this business because you're out of town all the time. You're in airports and hotels all the time. And I thought I was going to have to just hang up my hat as a speaker and get a real job. Um, but then I realized, you know what? You know, you and I were having a speech right now. We're having a speaking engagement over the internet. Mm -hmm. And speaking engagements today can be webinars. They can be podcasts. They can be even recorded videos. And so I started to learn online information products. I built an online course. Uh, I did over, you know, remote coaching and remote group coaching. And now I run the business from anywhere in the world and I travel with my family. We travel about three months out of the year. Um, and we can get into how, you know, schedule management and all that. Um, but it's, it's almost all live video speeches, coaches, coaching, training. Um, funny thing, uh, I met a guy, he, he travels six months out of the year. And I said, how do you do it? And he said, I made the decision early on to do everything by text because I don't want to be a slave to good Wi-Fi connections. And I'm going, man, I do not have a text-based business. I have a video, audio-based business. And so I do very much discriminate my travel plans based on Wi-Fi reliability. So I, I often do Airbnbs. I often work from hotels, uh, hotel lobbies and, and hotel rooms because they tend to have really good Wi-Fi. But I am doing the digital nomad thing as a speaker, and 90% of my speaking engagements are digital and not uh, the kind where you have to fly and stay in a hotel and speak in front of a room of real people. Um, so that's, that's kind of my story. And family first, uh, when I'm done with a presentation, when I'm done with the speech, I close the webinar and I'm hanging out with my kids instead of getting off the stage and being halfway across the world and FaceTiming my kids from the conference that got that got old real fast thank you for sharing you know you summarized it so well in terms of your, your life trajectory with those three themes i talked about family first and of course business and travels all in one and uh you know you've transitioned obviously from being the traditional quote-unquote speaker where you go to a location speak in front of an audience to now doing it all digitally and like you said that's what we're doing now. We're speaking to each other and, uh, you know, webinars and virtual summits and uh, trainings, online courses. Those are all ways to speak and get your message heard and obviously get paid for it as well. So I'm curious to know about, uh, firstly, about the speaking. When you were a speaker, where all did you go and how did you set up that business where you were able to uh, get paid to speak around the world? I'd love to uh, dissect that a little bit and then we'll go into the digital. Let's cover the physical speaking and then we'll cover the digital speaking. Yeah, so uh, you know, I started off as a speaker basically thinking I could speak about anything to anybody. Mm -hmm. I like being on stage, and if I know a little bit about it and people are willing to listen, then I could speak about it. And from a branding perspective, that's, that's very difficult. That means I'm an uh, anything-anybody speaker. 
Mm. And that means I'm a commodity and I'm competing against every other speaker about every other topic. Uh, what I've learned now, being 10 years in the business, is the best thing to do is to choose a topic and choose a particular type of audience. But that's not how I started. I started with, I'll speak on communications and time management and sales and psychology and uh, dealing with difficult people. And basically, I had this long bullet point list on my website. Um, and speaking engagements looked like, uh, you know, $500 speaker fee, $1,000 speaker fee, uh, a lot of free speeches. And what really, what I broke into the business through leveraging an, a couple existing networks. Um, so I leveraged the Rotary Club network. I was a Rotarian. And so any Rotary Club would have me, but they tend to not pay. So then I realized I need to have some sort of an offer. So when I started doing these free speeches for Rotary Club, I would make a $500 offer for an online course. The first time I ever did that, I didn't actually have the course built. I was just testing the offer. And I got six people to buy, and I discounted from 500 to 300 And uh, they filled out a piece of paper with their credit card information, and I went out to the parking lot, and I sat in my car, and I pulled out my smartphone, and I manually processed the credit cards on the Square app on my phone. And I made 1800 bucks at a free lunch with like 20 Rotarians. And I thought, this is going to be great if I could do that every time I speak at a Rotary Club. And a lot of Rotary Club speeches made over $1,000 from selling an online course. So that worked out really well. And then as far as the speaker fee business, I got involved in a network for trainers called Learning Tree International. And they sent me all over North America to work with Fortune 500 companies and government institutions training their materials so I can show up and teach great material that I didn't develop. Um, so those were kind of some, some of the ways that I was able to multiply one event into a dozen or more events. Um, I ended up doing, I forget, like 200 days with learning over the course of five years. Um, so other than that, it's a lot of one-off, you know, conference here, association meeting there. And sometimes I was lucky enough to get discovered. Uh, through word of mouth or on YouTube and other times it was a matter of me just reaching out to a conference and saying I'd like to speak at your conference and they would say well go to the application page and fill out the form and I'd fill out those forms day in and day out and I'd get some calls back or sometimes I'd get nothing and that was sort of the ups and downs of the speaker life that I have since been able to go from being really haphazard in terms of you get a couple gigs here and then you get nothing for a month to a much more systematic and predictable process of actually campaigning and consistently winning clients or winning speeches. So that's how it started out is I, I did not really think beyond the speech. There's the speaker fee. And then whenever I gave a free gig, I thought, you know, I gotta, I gotta have some kind of an offer to generate some revenue, uh, which I did with the online course. Um, but the way my career kind of evolved is over time, people would come out of the audience and they would come up to me and they would say, you know, we think you'd be really good for a consulting project for our company. Or, hey, would you be willing to sit down and talk about coaching some of our staff on the stuff that you were talking about here? And what I realized is there's a huge opportunity that happens after you get on stage and follow up with the audience, whether it's coaching or training or consulting or services that happen when they realize what you say on stage, they say, yep, this guy 
gets it, he's got the answer, and we need him to come help us implementing that answer. Um, so that's actually what I really help business owners and speakers do today is position themselves on the stage so that the audience might be full of their ideal clients and that they're able to go after that speech and drive a ton of business into their into their business because of the positioning and messaging that they got into their customers' minds from their speech. Awesome, awesome. So I, w I definitely want to cover the whole digital side of your business. But before we do that, I want to cover that transition. Uh, because a lot of people who uh, listen and watch my show, they are maybe working in a physical type of job, might be an event producer, might be a speaker, might be in a corporate, you know, 95 kind of job. And they're looking to transition more into a digital lifestyle, right? And that's why we created this whole show is to help those people transition from a normal job to more of a digital work. Uh, so tell us about that transition for you from professional paid speaker speaking around the world to uh, becoming more of a digital entrepreneur, a digital speaker. How did that transition look like both in terms of the good and the bad? Hmm. Gosh, I would love to tell you it was like smooth and beautiful and smart and <laughs> planned out. Um, but it really manifested in my life more as a, a crisis that I had to attend to. Um, you know, there was the underlying principles. If you ever have a goal that the more successful you are in achieving that goal, the worse your life is, that's kind of a bad goal, right? And that was how my life was set up because my goal was to book as many speaking gigs and particularly out-of-town speaking gigs, because out-of-town speaking gigs are, are really cool. You know, you fly in, you stay at the hotel, you're the speaker at the conference that came from the faraway place. Like, speaking at your local thing is kind of like, wah, 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 not that exciting. So my whole goal was book cool gigs around the world and, you know, get flown out and stay at the hotel and be the fancy speaker. Well, the more successful I was with that goal, the worse my home life was. Uh, you know, and the, and the, I learned that lesson instantaneously. I don't know why I didn't anticipate it. I don't know why I didn't realize it. There's so much about fatherhood. You could probably agree to this. So like, I just didn't see it coming. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. The first time this happened, my wife was in the hospital. We just had our first baby. The baby's fresh out of the oven, like 24 hours. And I had a meeting to go close a deal, sign a contract. And it was about 20 minutes from the, ho the hospital. And so I decided I'm gonna leave my newborn baby and my wife in the hospital and I'm gonna drive down. I stopped in my house, I took a shower, I stopped and I got a haircut because I wanted to like, look really good for this meeting. And really the meeting was just to sign a contract. Like the, the agreement was already in place, but it was the biggest contract of my career. And I had this meeting scheduled and I didn't want to reschedule. And so, uh, I go to the meeting and it's two guys uh, and they, they both happen to be fathers. One's a father of four, one's a father of two. Mm -hmm. And they asked me, how's your wife doing? Because they knew she was pregnant, but she'd like do very soon, but she didn't know the baby. They didn't know the baby had come. And I said, oh yeah, we had the baby uh, like yesterday. And the, the meeting went dead. <laughs> and they both looked at each other and they looked back at me and they were like, I think he said, I think he, he said a swear word. I'm going to keep it clean here. But he basically said, dude, what are you doing here? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I just felt like an idiot. And I was like, oh, my God, why am I here? I need to, like, leave this meeting right now and speed back to the hospital. So we signed the paperwork. 
And on the way back to the hospital, I'm thinking, I could have done that meeting over Skype. Yes. I couldn't sign that contract digitally. Why did I have to get a haircut and drive and sit in a room to sign a piece of paper? Um, and it made me realize, listen, you're a dad now. And every time you leave your baby and your wife, it better be for a darn good reason that cannot be done over online. And there are fewer and fewer things that cannot be done over online. And then I applied the same question to every single opportunity that came my way that was out of town. Hmm. It was like, this better be a career changing opportunity. So what, what ended up happening is I just started saying no more. I started saying no to things that I was kind of on the fence. Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. Nope, that's a clear no. Uh, I started saying no to any kind of free gigs. So only taking high, highly paid gigs that are really, really good gigs. Um, and that created a lot of space and time for me to start to offer my offerings digitally. And the first thing I thought was, uh, I just got to quit this business and I just got to get a job. I didn't think that I could do speaking online. Um, but the more I realized that you can do almost everything online and often better, faster, more efficiently, there's instantly a recording. I mean, webinars are amazing. Webinars, I see exactly who shows up. I see exactly how long they stay in the room. I have their contact information. They get a recording if they can't make it. It's incredible. Why would I speak live when I could do a webinar? Uh, there better be a darn good reason. And so that was the, the mental shift and the transition just looked like me saying no more and me being more open to digital. Uh, and it was, it, was, uh, it was a shift in mindset first on my part. Um, once I got over the glamour and the glitz of, you know, the travel and the being on stage and having a live audience and getting more and more used to talking to a webcam and, and chatting with people in the chat of the webinar and all that. Um, now I feel like I really positioned myself for the future of training and the future of speaking. It's, it's not on live stages. The future of speaking is on live. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you're definitely, uh, foreseen the future and uh, I think at the end of the day uh, people always go to live events I mean uh, there's something powerful about you know meeting someone shaking their hand giving them a hug giving them a high five we can do that we can do the air five we can do the virtual hugs we can do the emoji emotions but there's something so powerful about live events I, I used to be a event producer back in Vancouver and I used to speak as well but I, I miss it now I'm doing all this virtual stuff like podcasting and video casting and blogging, social media, YouTubing, but there's something so powerful about live. And, uh, you know, you can obviously create a fusion business where you're doing digital, which leads to live events and, you know, create that synchronicity and the harmony. So we've talked about, you know, your, your, your past event, uh, career, if you want to call it that, as a physical speaker at physical events, then we talked about that transition. And I so love that transition. You were very real about what happened when you had a kid. And, you know, I can so, so, so relate. I have three little ones. And when I had my first, oh, my life changed. Second one, life changed even more. And third one, life changed even more and more. And you have to, like, you know, as a dad, I have to constantly remind myself, why am I doing this business for? It's for my wife, for my kids. And, you know, like, sometimes I'm so glued to my technology and social media, I got to, like, remind myself. And if you're not conscious about it, if you're not aware of it, technology will glue you in. Just like you said, the, the glamour of the, the speaking stage. Same with the glamour of those likes and the endorphins and the dopamine. Like, oh, I got a like, I got to share. And who cares? You can, you can get, see them all at once. And it'll be more powerful if you see 20 at once rather than one like yes. So, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I definitely want to cover more of this digital uh, career that you've built up for yourself. Um, so when you made this transition, I want to learn about the process. Like, we like to dissect the process. So what was your process in terms of what did you do first and then how did you grow it? Because in the past, you said you did too many things at once in terms of speaking. How did you learn from your mistake? How did you do it differently now that you're almost 100% digital? Tell us about the process from when you first went digital to where you are now. Okay, so let's go back to that Rotary Club meeting where I made an offer of an online course. I didn't actually have the online course built when I made the offer, but I was testing the offer. And um, six out of, I think, 12 people bought. So the offer was good, the price point was good. Um, I had, a, I had a nice tight 15 minute presentation about networking and we talked about how to introduce yourself and how to shake people's hands and how to follow up afterwards and what should go on your business card and stuff like that. And then I basically said, so guys, if you like that and if you want more, I am creating a course for networking and you're gonna love it. You guys get to be the first people to see it. Um, I'm gonna sell it for 500 bucks, but because you're here and you're, you're gonna be an early adopter, I'm gonna give it to you for 300. And then what I did was I said, you know, I'm gonna create like six modules and each module is gonna be about 30 minutes. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna create those modules live. And so I set up a six week schedule where Tuesdays at noon I would teach for 30 minutes and it would be recorded. And then Thursdays at noon I'll do Q&A. And so before the module uh, I would say, are there any questions related to this module? I'll make sure I'll cover them on Tuesday. So I'll kind of survey the people. What are your challenges as it pertains to this stuff we're going to cover in section one? Then I would teach it for 30 minutes, post the recording. Uh, I create a little Facebook group for the clients to uh, get all the content in. And then on Thursday, I would do Q&A. And the Q&A would tell me what I probably should have had in the content that I didn't quite clearly deliver. Uh, so that was my really rough version one of module one. And then I would do the same thing for module two, module three. And then through six weeks, it was basically like a live group coaching program where at the end we have six recorded modules, first drafts. And I would go back and I would review the, the feedback after each module and then I would say, okay, now I need to do version two. Version two, same thing. I would make an offer at an event or I would make an offer online somehow and say, you know, 300 bucks, you get my six week networking course. And I would do it a second version, still doing the live training, Still, uh, but it's a little bit better. You know, it's version two this time. And then version three, I went into a studio and I filmed and recorded high quality because I knew like this is what people really need. And so one of the mindsets about, you know, creating a product or a, a digital, digital course is like design thinking you're going you're gonna to really go um, to version three. So version one and version two is just beta testing and it's going to be ugly. You're going to redo it anyway. So I think version three is going to be the good one gives yourself permission to be ugly the first two versions. And so then I had a product. I had a product that would sell between three and $500. So anytime I speak anywhere, I would say, so guys, if you like that, sign up for this. And of course, you know, if I'm going to speak about time management, if I'm going to speak about time management and then I say, and I have a networking course, that doesn't really make sense. It's got to be like, I have a networking presentation and if you want more, here's the course, right? So that was how I created my first course, and I've done that now three times, where it's basically test an offer. If the offer sells, create a beta 
product of the of what you would be selling and revise it at least once or twice and then you have something that you could sell now personally I don't sell online courses anymore uh, that are just buy it learn it and good luck because in my experience as a learner I buy those courses I don't follow through with them they make minimal impact if anything at all so what I do now is I have those online courses but I sell them in conjunction with uh, my coaching and a live event. Hmm. So that means basically anytime I sell my program right now, people are getting three components. They're getting a, a video course, they're getting access to me as a coach, and they're getting me on a live event. And why I do the live event is because I do believe in relationship building and community building, and I do want to speak in front of a, a live audience. Uh, what's cool about my live event is it's five minutes from my house and so people fly in. <laughs> so I'll sell, I'll sell the course to anybody. I have clients in Germany. I have clients in the United Kingdom. I have clients in the United States and Canada. They come basically near my house, like five minutes walk from my house. So I get the live audience and they get me live, but I don't have to go get to an airport and a hotel and be away from my family. I'm home for dinner every night. Hmm. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, so, you're doing this three, uh, if you want to call it a trinity model, where you know you sell the course, sell the coaching, and sell the speaking, and it's a tripartite. And uh, tell us about how does that look like in terms of what is the content? Because you went from like a wide model to a very focused model, and then now how does it look like in terms of the content itself? Yeah, so um, the, there was a, a philosophical shift I made around creating content. Um, Initially, I, w I wanted to cram everything I know into a course. Mm. Um, and that just feels like an information overload. And what I've done now is I take one ideal customer avatar in my mind. Her name is Maggie. She's a made-up person. I know all about Maggie, and I know her struggles, and I know her challenges, and I know what she needs from me. And Maggie wants to do more speaking. She wants to get on more stages and she wants to know what to say to get booked and she wants to know what to say once she's on stage and she wants her speech to result in a bunch of people wanting to hire her, okay? So I know what Maggie wants. So I created a course called Make Money Speaking mm -hmm. and I applied all that I know to Maggie's current situation. So instead of taking everything I know and try to cram it into a course, I take everything I know and I apply it to one person's current predicament. And so when you access the videos, it takes you through a process of understanding how to do what I just explained, to get on stage and give a speech that gets clients, and create that speech. And then so my coaching, from the moment someone signs up, until our live event, which is usually about an eight-week period, between the moment they sign up and the moment they, they come to our live event, um, we are working on implementing what the course teaches. So the course teaches the information, the videos, and then the coaching is all about implementing what you've learned in those videos. So there's not a lot of teaching happening in the coaching calls. There's a lot of like, okay, did you understand uh, module two section about, uh, you know, how to deliver the speech that gets clients. And then they'll say, yeah, well, you know, I have a question about, you know, how do we tell this story that you mentioned in, in that second part of the video? Okay, let me explain that to you. 
So it's, it's about getting unstuck and understanding and implementing what is in the training videos. And then the live event, um, it's about making sure everything's understood, implemented, executed with a plan. And we also film our clients giving their talk on a live stage. So that's a component that needs to be done live. We get a camera crew, we book a stage, we get the audience and we let them give their signature talk in front of a live audience so that they get a beautiful video produced for them. Um, so that we can't really do remotely. And personally, you know, I like to look my client in the face, shake their hand, get to know them really well. So it's, it's a bonding thing as well. It's a community thing. I like my clients to be able to meet each other as well. So they get all that. They get, they get convenience of watch the videos whenever you want. They get the convenience of ask me questions whenever you want. We have a Facebook group. We use Voxer for support as well. And uh, we do live calls over Zoom. And then the live event, they fly in, they stay at a hotel, they get to meet the other people in the course. And um, I find it's a little bit of the best of both worlds or best of all the little the worlds. <laughs> Best of the three worlds, <laughs> best of the yeah. coaching world, best of the course world, and the best of the physical uh, speaking world as well. So I'm curious to know, uh, what does the future hold for you? Because we've seen uh, you know, the past, we've seen the transition, we've seen the current model you've built up, you know, getting people to fly in, here you speak, here you do your workshop, and of course the coaching element and the course element. I love to hear entrepreneurs' future vision because we all have this big vision. So why don't you share a little bit of that vision with our viewers and listeners here today? Yeah, you know, um, I'm a big believer in quality and quality comes from refinement and iteration. Mm -hmm. um, and this model that I am teaching, it's we're on iteration number seven right now. Um, I think I'll probably I'll probably deliver this program at least 30 times until I feel like it's really as good as it's going to get. Um, and right now I'm doing that at a pace of every two months. And uh, you know we've got a Facebook ad funnel right now that's uh, click to webinar to application to uh, strategy call. And so optimizing the funnel and I currently do all of my strategy calls and at some point I'll have a, a team member do those calls for me. And then at some point I'll accelerate from every two months doing the event to every one month in the event. So it's, it's refinement, acceleration, um, and, and a focus on quality. Um, I, th I think that I'll get to the point where I don't need to run ads just due to the, uh, Due to the, you know, there's, a, there's an interesting um, metric called net promoter score. Net promoter score is what is the likelihood on a scale of one to 10 that your client would recommend your program, recommend your service. I want that number to be a 10 out of 10. And that's all about not just delivering on expectations, but exceeding expectations, sometimes surprising with some bonuses and that sort of thing. So really, really focusing on a quality product uh, and then, you know, I've spent probably the last nine months really just working on this training program to train other speakers. And my kids are now two and four years old and they'll be in school in a couple of years. And once they're in school, I'll start dabbling back into speaking and traveling and live events. Um, but I'm pretty much on dad duty, lockdown, family time as much as possible, not leaving the neighborhood whenever 
possible. Um, so to me, it's, it's, I'm not trying to grow an empire, like in terms of, you know, I don't want a bunch of staff and I don't want, uh, you know, I, I don't want to scale into a, a, a large enterprise. I, I still stay very lean. I use a lot of virtual assistants because freedom, flexibility uh, are, are my, you know, primary values. I, I did start growing this business very, very quickly and made multiple six figures in a few short months. And I thought I certainly can afford to hire people. And I, and I staffed up to six people. I brought on six people to do various things for me. And I brought, had someone to help with business development and sales and marketing. I had someone help with client customer support. I had someone even uh, acting as a speaker agent and pitching my clients on their behalf. And it was all right. It was good. We were doing good things. And then I realized, you know what? Building a big company with staff is not really what I want to do right Because I found that a majority of my time was spent hiring and managing people, which is a skill set I didn't have. Uh, so I was learning that sort of the hard way. Um, and then after doing that for a few months, I, I just scaled back and I said, you know, I've been at Keeping, keeping it really efficient. And um, so that was an interesting learning journey. And I'd say the next couple of years are, are gonna just look like um, refining, perfecting, improving the product, the program. Um, and the target is to have 100 clients a year that we're supporting becoming a, a better speaker so that they can get themselves booked and get themselves on stages and giving great speeches that attract clients. So that's it. Focus on improving quality, keeping life simple, and keeping it's to my family and and not be. You definitely have that great balance. So, in conclusion, here, uh, Majid. How can people connect? Uh, you have your social media, your website. You got your coaching, uh, live events, and of course your video courses. How can they find out about all of those things? Well, expertspeaker.com is where we keep it all in one place. Expertspeaker, and there is an application. And if you fill out the application, you can apply for a strategy call with me. I'm currently doing all the strategy calls myself, so you would a one-on-one conversation with me and it's to help you figure out what's your next step as a speaker business owner and you know you want to get on stages and you want to figure out how to get booked and what should you actually say when you're on that stage and how to negotiate with the event planner what's right for you if it's to work with me or if it's to do it yourself so expertspeaker.com and you can apply Nice and easy, nice and easy, expertspeaker.com. I'm super glad you got that URL too. It's always good to have a two-word domain name. Mine's Daddy Blogger, Expert Speaker, you know. Uh, we, uh, it's easy to remember and, uh, you know, easy to say. So thank you, Majid. It's always great to connect with a fellow dad, a fellow entrepreneur, and a fellow speaker. Thank you for all of your insights here on this show. And uh, thank you for being so real. And uh, thank you for making a difference in so many people's life. I really appreciate it your time here today on the show. Well, I appreciate you, Rick, that I'm your audience. 
remember to keep the first things first, keep the priority the priority, and uh, go out there and, and live your dream. Well said, well said, my friend. Uh, so, and uh, a quick shout out to Tuan as well. He was one of our few, uh, previous guests and uh, he made this connection here. So shout out to a, a common friend, Tuan, who's also from Ottawa. I'll have the link to his interview as well. Uh, so if you wanted to connect with uh, Majid here, make sure you check out his website, expertspeaker.com. And I'll have the link below if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're listening on iTunes, one of the podcast directories, the link will be right in the show notes. So thanks everyone and happy traveling and happy speaking. Bye-bye everyone.